Hello and welcome to the Psalmcast. I'm Pastor Ollie Berg. It's good for us to be here. This episode is intro to the Psalms and also intro to the Psalmcast. My hope is before we dive into all 150 Psalms throughout the course of this podcast, that we will also get a little bit of context, just so we have a little bit of background knowledge and we're all on the same page. And then, of course, likewise, I want to introduce this podcast. So if this is your first episode, this is a great place to start. You might already know some of this, but it's a good refresher to have. And so why don't we get started? The book of the Psalms is a really unique book in the Bible. It's scripture. It's just like all the other scriptures in the Old Testament, and it rightfully should be in the Old Testament. It's a book about God, and it teaches us about God and and what God does in our lives. The Psalms can help us learn about who God is, what God wants for us. The Psalms can give us wisdom. The Psalms can proclaim the good news of our salvation. And just like all other words of scripture, the Psalms are a place where we encounter Jesus Christ as we study. But the Psalms are not just a nice book in the Old Testament. First of all, they're all over the New Testament. They're quoted, they're probably the most quoted book in the New Testament. And in fact, the letter to the Hebrews makes a really radical claim about the Psalms, that the Holy Spirit was at least one collaborator in the writing of them. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But it's a book that is all throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. It's a powerful book that we should study. But it's not just scripture in the sense that we normally think about scripture. Usually we think about scripture as words from God to us. But what makes the Psalter truly unique is that it is explicitly a book full of prayers and praises. It's a book full of words directed at and toward God. It's not just God's word to us. It's our word to God, or, or, or rather, it's God's word to us, through us, to back to God, something like that, right? It's this weird book, and it can teach us so much more when we study it in this way. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. What the heck is the Psalter? I used that word before. That's a big word that just means the book of Psalms, all 150 Psalms. The Psalter is just a shorthand for book of Psalms. But what is the Psalter? What are these prayers? Well, you see, more specifically, they're song lyrics. They're lyrics that the people Israel had crafted. Maybe David, we'll talk about who wrote them in a a little bit, but they had crafted them and, and used them as songs of education and praise to God. And we know that they're lyrics and not just very nice poems, because throughout all of the Psalter, there are little annotations that tell us, you know, oh, this is for the choir master. You know, maybe play it according to some melody that they would have known back in their day. The most famous case, you've maybe even heard this if you've ever looked through the Psalms, is when you're reading and then you get this little word salah and in fact most bibles will put it off kind of they'll 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 put a little margin there for it and all that word means is a musical interlude maybe an interlude on the strings so the the people playing the lyre would would play and maybe you'd meditate on what you just said 
But so these were really great songs that people loved and they loved them so much that they were eventually compiled and they were brought together and they were definitely edited into the Psalter that we have today. And that might be something that makes you worry. If you are like, oh my gosh, you mean you, some people have edited these holy words? Does that make them not holy? No. It means that this book has had a history. And we know that God is a God of history, that God works through history, works through that editorial process so that we have the scriptures that we have today by the grace of God and that we can dive into this book of Psalms and it's still going to reveal so much. In fact, I think it's going to reveal the heart of God and not only that, the heart of humanity. Okay, but... The Psalms, their scripture, their song, their prayer, so what? The thing about this book is that when we study it, we are learning how to pray with the grain of the Bible, right? These are, these are words that the Word himself prayed, right? Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, regularly had the Psalms on his lips. His dying breaths included him reciting Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so the Psalms are all over the word. They are a language of prayer, prayer that has been prayed over and over, not just by Jesus, but by all the faithful people of God for millennia. So anyone who wants to learn how to pray, needs to know these 150 psalms. And you might say, I already know how to pray. I pray all the time. Well, let these words help shape it, craft it, make it into something new. Like I said, with the grain of the Bible. Because the goal of this psalm cast is to study these psalms in these two ways that we find the psalms, right? We're going to study them as scripture, but we're also going to take them as lessons in prayer. What happens when we shift from reading these just as holy words to holy words we offer to God? Is our relationship going to change with the Bible? Is it going to change with God? I don't know. All I know is that I have prayed the entire Psalter over and over again, and I think it's changed me and it's enriched my prayer life. So my hope with this podcast is that we're going to help you have that encounter with the Psalms too. And that you can be transformed by the word of God into a deeper prayer life. So let's talk about this podcast just a little bit and, and, and my approach. Who am I? Well, first and foremost, I'm Pastor Ollie Berg. I'm a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And... <laughs> I know that the way I'm going to read the Bible is going to be idiosyncratic, right? It's going to be kind of very much the way that Pastor Ollie reads the Bible. I mean, I'm influenced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a really great book called The Prayer Book of the Bible, and it's a little book on the Psalms and how he discovered Jesus in these in these Psalms. And so I'm going to unapologetically, like Bonhoeffer, talk about Jesus as we read these Psalms, which... For some people, that's not their preferred approach. They don't think that's intellectually honest. So I'm just going to put it out there. That's how I'm going to do it. But I'm also a little bit of a weirdo. Maybe not a weirdo, but I, I, I'm intellectually curious, right? I'm going to read Jewish writers on the Psalms because I, I find them enlightening. And of course, I'm going to disagree with them because, you know, I'm a Christian. 
But I'm also going to read Martin Luther. He wrote tons and tons on the Psalms. And so I would be a fool not to read this guy. But of course, I'm, I have the right to disagree with Martin Luther. And I'm also going to read Augustine. He had a bunch of stuff on the Psalms. I'm going to read St. John Chrysostom. I'm going to read from anybody that I can get my hands on because these words are worth studying. And the people that have commented on these words have said incredible things. So my hope is that by reading and studying and getting a whole lot of influences on this, that I will give a fair a fair reading of what we're going into. Although I promise that I, my personality and my point of view is going to come across. Hopefully that's going to make this all the more entertaining. I can't be a pure scientist because I, I don't know how to be, right? Okay, but l- that's enough about me for a second. Let's get back to the Psalter, right? We, who wrote it? I talked about David a moment ago, and 73 of the Psalms have an attribution to David, right? They say that he wrote these Psalms. And again, we're going we're to talk more about David in a second. Let's talk about the other people that are mentioned. 12 Psalms are attributed to a guy named Asaph, 11 to a group called the Sons of Korah, Two are attributed to Solomon, one to Moses, one to Ethan the Ezraite, and one to Heman the Ezraite. Now, other translations will even add more names, and, you know, scholars really doubt that these people were involved, but just for the sake of honesty, right, the Septuagint includes Haggai, Zechariah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah as authors of some psalms. And what's notable about all of these authors is that they are connected to David in some way. For instance, Asaph, the sons of Korah, Ethan, and Heman, they were all set aside by King David to be composers and singers in his court. This is testified in other books of the Bible, like like Samuel or Kings or Chronicles. And Solomon, of course, was David's son. Moses prophesied about the Messiah who was to come from David. And of course, David is even called a, a, a Messiah, a Messiah. My Hebrew is bad, but you know, he's, a, he's a type of Messiah, a type of king. And so all of these connections to King David make it make sense for us to say that David is the spiritual patron of the Psalms. So much so that the Psalter was just sometimes called the David right? That people would memorize, they would memorize the Moses, they would memorize the the five books at the beginning of the Bible, and they would memorize the David. That was a a common approach, probably around Jesus's time. So let's talk a little bit about King David, because I think it's really interesting to view him as the patron of the Psalms. It brings a lot out for me. So King David was called in 2 Samuel 23, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And okay, already I got to tell you that there are translations that will tell you that it said something else. And just like every other word in the Bible, people are going to fight about what it said. But what we do know about David is that he was a musical guy who had the potential to write some of these songs, right? We know that the scriptures say that he could play the lyre. And we know that when he did it, it drove away a harmful spirit that was tormenting his predecessor, King Saul. So what can we say about that? That means that David was at least probably kind of good at the lyre. And so, yeah, he probably wrote some psalms. 
If he did write any that we have in the Psalter, only God knows for certain. But the interesting thing about the Bible is that the Bible wants you to know David as the author of the Psalms, right? Jesus talks about David writing the Psalms. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about David and the Psalms. And so even though we know that scholars will tell us that these psalms were written over hundreds of years, likely from the 9th century BCE to the 5th century BCE, we need to set that aside just for a moment and think about it through the lens of this person. Because over and over and over again, the editors of the Bible try to bring you back to David. For instance, Psalm 51. It's a psalm of deep repentance, and the editors put it on the lips of David. They invite us to ponder the inner life of David after he had done a terrible sin against Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan said, you need to repent, right? So, they put this big psalm of repentance in the history of David's life. Why would they do that? I've got one theory. You know, they often talk about, there's that famous line in the scriptures, David is the man after God's own heart. And the more you think about that phrase, the more you might get confused. What the heck does that mean? I I ponder it a lot and I get confused. And I've come down with this, that David has a heart that is somehow like God's. And that's really a, a scandalous thing to say because David does make some serious mistakes, right? He sins in a big way. But what we know, or at least what that seems to say, is that his heart is generally in the right place. It's generally in line with God. And so, when we look at the Psalms, which are deeply personal prayers to God, they bring us to the heart of someone who had a heart like God. So in a way, through a lot of mediation, admittedly, in a very strange way, we are somehow getting close to the heart of God, or at least we're getting close to the heart of the word. I mean, the Psalms are usually the smack dab center of the Bible. They truly are the heart of of the Bible. They're the heart of all scripture. And so as we pray them, our hearts are getting aligned with this psalmic heart, if you will. And we're getting closer and closer, bit by bit, hopefully by grace, to this encounter with the heart of God, that we are getting in line with God. Okay, so that is why I think that we need to look at David as the patron of this. I want the Psalms not to just be some abstract book. I want it to always be personal for us. Always something that we are encountering as a human-to-human thing. I don't ever want us to get too abstract. Because when we do, we are we're alienating ourselves from these heart-filled words. Okay, enough about that, all right? We need to talk a little bit about some business, all right? One thing about the Psalms, they got a complicated history. There are 150 Psalms. People generally agree on that. There may be 151, depending on who you ask, but let's just stick with the 150, okay? When the Psalter was translated from Hebrew to Greek, some of these 150 Psalms were joined together and others were split into two different parts. So yes, we got 150, but the numbers get messed up. 
right? For instance, the Hebrew has Psalms 9 and 10 as separate, while the Greek has them as one longer psalm. So this messes up the numbering for quite a while if you are comparing the versions. And if you go to Google the psalms, you have to kind of know who is approaching it from what perspective. So this is important to clarify as we talk about. Just so you know, I am going to use the more Hebrew version of the psalms. Another way that things get different in the psalms is the versification. Okay, right? What is one verse? What is another verse? For instance, in Hebrew, the psalm includes the superscription, a psalm of David, right? It it, it might include that if, if that's part of it. However, in many of the Protestant approaches to the Bible, we just skip that or we say that is verse zero. Even though I'm going to use the Hebrew numbering for the psalms, I'm going to use the Protestant approach to the versification system because I know it best. That doesn't mean we won't talk about the superscriptions, but that just means that if I'm going to be citing, for instance, Psalm 19, number one, I am not citing Psalm 18, number one, which some people might say I'm citing. I'm citing the line, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and I'm not citing the line to the leader, a Psalm of David. Okay. That just so you know, that is what we're doing. For most of you, if you open up your Bibles, uh, you know, if you bought it at a Bible store, you, that's probably the Bible you're going to get. But just in case we've got some other folks, that is what we're doing. Okay, so we've talked about the authors, the numbering. The, the, what about the genre, though? I mean, what the heck are these songs? We know they're songs, but they, they've come down as poems. And as poetry... They're going to have different subgenres, right? They're going to have psalms of praise, psalms of lament, psalms of wisdom. And these things are important, and there's tons of books that try to delineate which is which. We'll talk about that a little bit. But what's more important for me is because these are poems, they're going to have a lot of devices, right? This is important. In poetry, for instance, we often think about rhyming right? Rhyming is an important device, and it helps to communicate something as we read a poem. But in Hebrew poetry, rhyming is not as important. The more important feature is parallelism. Okay, now parallelism is when you say the same thing in a different way. And you can say the same thing in a different way in a lot of different ways. All right, so let's go back to Psalm 19 for an example, right? They have something that's called stepwise parallelism which means you take a step in a different direction, right? Maybe you step up or you step down to say the same thing. So the line in Psalm 19 is, the heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmament proclaims his handiwork. So what just happened there, right? We started up in the heavens, but then we took a step down to the firmament, which was in the cosmology of the Hebrew mind, was a step below the heavens. So what are they saying? They're saying the heavens proclaim the glory of God. Take a step down. The firmament is also proclaiming his handiwork. We've said the same thing, but we've said it in a different way. Parallelism doesn't just have stepwise motion. It can include saying literally identical things. It can include saying opposite or antithetical things. It can make a figural interpretation of a literal thing. It could exaggerate. 
Whatever it is, this parallelism is a main device in Hebrew poetry, just like rhyming is a device in Old English poetry. An interesting thing about parallelism is that it invites antiphonal singing. All right, that's another big word. Antiphonal singing is where one group says one part of a psalm and another says the other part. So you might have two choirs, right? Choir A starts singing, the heavens are telling the glory of God. Choir B responds, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. What's interesting about antiphonal singing is that it invites parallelism to become a device for meditation. One group says something and then listens to another group, and in so listening is, is pondering. And this dialogue and this antiphony helps us to dwell on a topic for a little bit longer. And you can truly get the goodness out of the Psalms. And you know, I once met a monk who told me that in heaven, they're gonna have antiphonal singing. He pointed out in the book of Revelation that the angels portray the throne of God singing holy, holy, holy back and forth, right? People are singing holy, holy, holy over here. People respond holy, holy, holy over here. And, and maybe that's Revelation's way of summarizing what it's like to sing the Psalms in heaven. And anyway, the monks sing the Psalms the way they do, and maybe they're right. Maybe that's what heaven is going to be like. Go figure. I believe them. Why not? One final thing, before, for at least for housekeeping for the show. We're not necessarily going to follow the Psalter sequentially. Okay? We're gonna, not going to start at one and then go to two and then three and etc. Okay? Instead... I'm going to follow them using the three-year lectionary, the revised common lectionary that many churches use. This is our last big churchy word, okay? A lectionary is just a set of readings that are assigned to a calendar, right? So when you hear this, right, we're going to be hearing this close to the beginning of Advent for year B, which is the year where people read the Gospel of Mark primarily. And so the psalm assigned is Psalm 80, for instance. Because we're following the lectionary, right, this is going to help, I hope, people to just prepare for Sunday morning. When you go to church, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know a little bit more about the psalm, and, and you can hear it in a new way when you hear it. But I'm not going to interpret it through the lens of the lectionary, right? I'm not going to interpret it as a response to that first reading, because that's just one way of reading the psalms. That might be a future episode where we look at the Psalms in the context of the lectionary and how the Psalms are interpreting the different readings that you all hear on a Sunday morning. But until we get to that, we're just going to look at them as they stand on their own and what they say to us. Okay, 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 okay. We've talked about a lot today. So let's go over what we're going to encounter in all of these 150 Psalms. We're going to meet David and some other psalmists. We're going to navigate many different kinds of parallelism. We're going to have questions, right? We're going to encounter prayer in a lot of different forms. We're going to ponder how to pray and what to pray. And we're going to think about how Jesus shows up in these ancient prayers, both as the object of prayer, but also as the one who's praying it. And hopefully by the end of it, we're going to know the Psalms in a new way. We're going to have our hearts transformed by the heart of the Bible. We're going to have our hearts transformed by these heartfelt prayers. And we're going to learn how to pray with the grain of the Bible and be 
transformed is my goal. So I am so excited for you to join me on this journey. Please stick with us because I think that if we dive into these Psalms, something amazing will happen. God be with you until we meet again. I'll see you next time on the Psalmcast. Thank you for listening to the Psalmcast. If you want to know more, check us out on our website, psalms.blog. And please, uh, if you want to support this ministry, please consider finding us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Psalmcast. And consider subscribing and joining our community. God be with you. We'll see you next time.